Today is Shabbat Para. We read from Numbers 19, and God spoke to Aaron saying, Zot chukat ha-Torah. This is the law of the Torah. Asher tziva Adonai lemo, daber b'nei Yisrael, v'yikhu elecha para adumat mima. That you bring a red, unblemished cow. Asher ein bomum, that has no defect. Asher lo Allah oleho ol in which no yoke has been laid. This is one of the four Sabbaths before Passover that we read Mm. from this section. I'm very interested in the word chukat ha-Torah. I'm not going to go into the Mephoshim and the commentators that talk about the difference between uh, mitzvot, mishpatim, chukim. That's already been rehearsed very often. And the fact that the Poradunama is a um, paradox that is not rational and therefore it is a chok. And I'm going to be looking at that particular aspect. The mitzvah of the red heifer presents certain paradoxes. Unlike all offerings in the temple, the red heifer was slaughtered outside of the temple and outside the walls of Jerusalem. However, the priest had to constantly face and see not only the temple, but the inner sanctuary. This was so significant that the temple construction was altered in order to allow him to see the sanctuary. Now, whoever was involved in preparing the red heifer himself becomes ritually impure and had to go to the mikveh and wait until the next day before re-entering the temple. The ashes, however, were retained at a degree of sanctity that surpassed even that of sacrifices. And so this parasha is well known for its famous inversions. Uh, The priest overseeing the rite of the slaughtering sprinkles some of the heifer's blood toward the tent of the meeting seven times. As the burning takes place, the priest throws cedar, hyssop and red dyed wool into the flames The ashes of the heifer are collected, placed in a ritually pure area outside of the sanctuary to be mixed with water and used for the removal of tumah, corpse impurity, from persons Mm. and objects. Mm. In fact, there is no way for us to become ritually pure without finding that red heifer so that we can once again participate in this ritual. Those who produce the red heifer's ashes become impure until the evening, though the ashes they produce function as cleansers of ritual impurity. Only one functionary in the rite remains pure, the person who slaughters the heifer in the priest's presence, and Numbers 19.3. Most likely because of the production of the purifying agent, the ashes has not begun. Further signs of inversion. Those who become impure with corpse impurity must be sprinkled with the water and ashes of the red heifer on the third and seventh days of their impurity in order to become pure again. This is accomplished by sprinkling the ash and water mixture with a sprig of hyssop. Once this rite has been completed, the impure party becomes pure once the evening of the seventh day arrives, Numbers 19.19. However, the person who sprinkles the cleansing water that purifies the one who is corpse impure becomes impure himself until the evening. This is the basic rules of the law at the level of pshat. Comes along the Midrash, and now I'm going to not talk about the Midrash that I have spoken before about the fact that the cow 
the red heifer was brought to atone, as Rashi says, for the sin of the golden calf. Let the mother atone for the calf. Um, nor am I going to talk about the uh, non-rational nature of Chukim. I'm going to talk about, actually, a Midrash that is brought um, in Exodus Rubber, chapter 19, section 2. And he starts, the Balamedrash begins with an intertext from Psalm that says, Yehi libi tamim b'chukecha. May my heart be pure b'chukecha. In or about or with the fulfillment of uh, your chukim, your statutes. Okay, a beautiful verse from David, King David. But the problem is, there's just one problem. Chukecha is in the plural. Now, my heart should be pure or purified with your statutes in the plural. Um Psalm 119, verse 80. Of which it is stated, this is the statute of the Korban Pesach, and this is the statute of the Paraduma. The statute of the Torah, they shall bring you a red heifer. So the Bala Medrash is actually saying that the Yud in Bechukecha, making that plural, refers to two chukim specifically, the chuk of the Korban Pesach, ze chukas Pesach, and the chukas of Paraduma. So is this an equivalence? Because if one is so-called non-rational and unexplicable, certainly the chuk, the laws of Pesach, are very rational. In fact, we're given etiological statements in the text. And we spend the whole Haggadah and Seder night working out the chok, this the laws of Pesach about eating matzah, not eating chomets, and regarding the recitation and recounting of the exodus from Egypt, couldn't be more explicit, one of the most explicit laws in the Bible. So the Balamedrash is saying that we have a problem here. There's an equivalence of Zot Chukat HaPesach and Zot Chukat HaTorah, regarding the Poraduma. Now, you can say, like someone, some commentators, that the Midrash didn't intend to compare these two mitzvot, but to contrast them. Um, that is, as I said, on Seder night, we encourage our children to ask question after question. But the opposite is true regarding the Paraduma. Even Shlomo HaMelech said, I thought to be wise, but wisdom is far from me. I thought to be wise, but wisdom, meaning the wisdom of um, understanding the significance of Paraduma, is far from me, meaning I can't understand it. He says that in Kohelet, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 23. We cannot understand the Paraduma. Um, and uh, David Amelech saw that sometimes we're forbidden to question and sometimes we are required to. 
And so some would say that his request in Psalm 119, would then refer to the request from the divine that his heart be tamim. Now it doesn't mean just pure, but discerning in distinguishing those chukim that I can question the reasons for, like Korban uh, Pesach, and those I can't, like Paraduma. One I'm supposed to investigate, one I'm supposed to humbly accept. Um, I, think, I think this is a very neat answer, but I don't think it plums the depth of the Medrash, which continues as follows. In both, it says the word chuk. So we have zos chukat Torah about the paraduma and zot chukat pesach. And then the Bala Medrash says something absolutely astounding. Fei ata yodea e zo And you just can't tell by just looking at these two mitzvot which law is greater than the other. First of all, why should one be greater than the other? Apparently, there is a perception that, you know, we keep Pesach every year, even in exile. We have lost the secrets to the red heifer, so we don't keep that anymore. Maybe there's not an equivalence between the two. Maybe there's a contrast between the two, and one is greater than the other. The, mash, the, the Medrash then brings a mashal. Mashal, there's a parable Two Roman ladies. A matruna in Roman times was a woman who could vote in the Senate because she was a landowner in her own right. So these are wealthy ladies of patronage who could vote and of great importance. Now there are two matrons walking, Shehoyimahalchus, they were walking side by side. And if you would look at them from the external point of view, they're dressed in their royal refinery. They all appear, both of them appear, of equal stature. So if I want to know who is greater than the other in status, in wealth, in prestige... I have to not just look at what they look like and dress like, because they dress identically. But what I have to do is look at their relationship with each other. The one whose companion escorts her until her home and follows her is the one who has lower status. So too, in the Nimshal, the explication of this wonderful parable, when it says Pesach, it says Chuka. When it says Paraduma, it says Chuka. So how would I know if there are two mitzvahs, they are of equal value, how would I know if one was greater than the other? Like in the parable, the way they relate to each other. Hapara, she'ochle pesach tzrichinla. Clearly, the one of greater stature is the para aduma, the chok of the para aduma. Why? Because the ochle pesach tzrichinla, those who eat from the korban pesach, who are ritually impure, 
require the ashes of the red heifer for, in order for them to enter the Passover rituals and participate in the Korban Pesach. They have to take from the impure person from the ashes of the burnt chatat. Clearly, we're learning from this Midrash that there is an equivalence between the Chukim of Pesach and the Chukim of Para. However, there's a pecking order. And the pecking order is that the Para Aduma is greater because everyone depends on that in order to participate in the lesser, which is the Korban Pesach. This is a problem because it doesn't fit the marshal. The marshal is Migadola Mizu. Which of the two ladies are greater than the other? Shechaverta Melava Ota Adbesa. The one that is greater is the Chaverta, the companion who is escorting her to her house and walks after her. She's the greater. So you might be able to say that Korban Pesach is the greater. Why would I think that? Well, clearly, the whole purpose of the para aduma is the hachana, the preparation for the eating of the carbon pesach. Really, the para aduma is opening the door for the second matron to walk in, and without the para aduma, she wouldn't be able to. And yet, we see that it is precisely the ikker being the carbon. Pesach rather than um, rather than the Paraduma. That is the goal of the whole effort. The whole effort's goal is precisely to allow for the Korban Pesach to occur. Um, now I want to look at um, a latter-day Hasidic master who had my problem, who had the same problem as me. Um, and that is, why on earth would I make out the para aduma uh, to be the one that, uh, that should be um, secondary? Uh, sorry, it should be primary. Why should I do that? Um, surely... The whole goal is to prepare for Pesach. And so the Shem Mishmuel uh, writes um, as follows. Nire lefarish, tehine mitzat hasfora. If I were to think rationally about these two chokim, pshuta chukat ha-Pesach hu atachlis, that the chok of the Pesach, the carbon Pesach, um, the Shemishmul says on Parshas Chukas, Mitzat Asfara, from the rational comparison between the two Chukim, Chukat HaPesach Huatachlis, that the, the law of the Passover is the goal. Lemechal Apatura Davuan, to seat at the table of the Father in heaven at the Seder, and to participate of the Korban Pesach. For Chukas Apora Huachona, and the, the chok of the Poraduma, the law of the red heifer, is merely a preparation, lehitaher, to become purified, 
liot raui to become fitting lehizdamein lepetur lemachon, so that you could be invited to the table of the king. Vahatachlit bechal makom nichmad mehachona. This is a, a foundational statement that in any place we find that the purpose, the end purpose, is always more exalted than the preparation. The mitzvah itself is the goal. And that preparation for the mitzvah is the malaver. It's the companion that escorts and opens the door and makes it possible. V'zeo shechidosh midrash. And nevertheless, the big novella of this medrash, the chiddush of this medrash, is demikol mokom, nevertheless, chukas ha The chok of the para is greater. Now, he goes on to say that in the kuzari, that the inyan of godliness falls in its appropriate place, meaning that the worship from the point of view of the adept, the Israelite, is to prepare himself to be a fitting place for the divine resting on him. As it says in the Song of Songs, Open my beloved, my sister, my friend, and the Medrash in Shia Shirim says, Open for me in your turn towards me, the Lord says, just an opening as small as the eye of a needle. And that inion of peticha is a hachona lekabel, meaning I demand, the Lord says, right? Just like the lover says to the beloved, please open for me just a little. God says to Am Yisrael, just open a little, just the eye of the needle, that opening is merely the hachana. It's merely the preparation to receive from the divine. And then he says something that is very Kabbalistic. He says, They are in Israel, in, in Egypt, Am Yisrael was like a fetus in the belly of an animal. Just like in a physical uh, fetus, he's not able to open his mouth to receive food because it is closed, but it's makabel from the tibur, it comes from the placenta. So Israel in Egypt were in such a state of slavery. They couldn't even open up that eye of the needle. They were so downtrodden. And they told Moses they couldn't hear him even. Because of the terrible slave labor. And so the great miracle of the Exodus is that God, his great mercy, shines a light upon them, a great light, even though they were not ready for it or fitting or they had no, no preparation for it. As it says, the Rebbe Reboruch, the Apostle, He makes that connection when God, it says in the Exodus, the angel of death killed, then God came over the doorposts, meaning he skipped over those 
who had a pasicha kuchuda, an opening like a the eye of a needle. Okay. So we now see that from this excursus from the Shem Mishmur that the Hachona is required. Okay, in coming out of Egypt, it wasn't required because they were so downtrodden. But historically, ever since then, a mitzvah requires Hachona. And this is what the Medrash said. We have to be doubtful. Who is greater than who? Which of the two matrunas, meaning which is greater, the mitzvah of, of Korban Pesach or the mitzvah of Purim? It's not always the same. That the hachona is always greater than the worship itself. Because the tachlis is nichmad me'achona, as he said earlier. So the pshat is here, in this medrash, according to the Shem Shmuel, that the gedolo porosha ochle pesach trichinlo. Here there's a very big chiddush, that the ochle pesach are subservient to the mitzvah of poraduma because they need them more. If I want to participate in the table of the king, I want to participate in my purity. I require the red heifer to make me pure. And this, he says, is a teaching for the future generations that you have to take into account the importance of the preparation for the mitzvah. And here, I think the Shemeshmuel isn't just talking about Korban Pesach and Purim, but the whole Hasidic notion that to perform rituals in halacha like Anshe Melumada, like men of rote that just perform the rituals without thinking, without inflaming the heart, without proper preparation, um, is part of the revolution of Hasidut, of Kotsk, of the Avni Neza, his father-in-law, and from the Shemeshmuel. That is, he is reading this Midrash, not only to plumb the depths of the paradoxical nature of these two Chakim and their relationship to each other, but also to reverse the notion that it's always Tachlis Bekol Mokom Nichbad Mehachona, that the Tachlis itself, the mitzvah, uh, is greater than the Hachona of the mitzvah. Here he's saying that there are places when it comes to our Vodisha Belev, where the Hachona, the preparation of the spirit uh, before the ritual act, uh, is absolutely critical. And that goes back to this wonderful Medrash and its evocative mashal.